Hi, and welcome back to Good Distinctions, where good distinctions are the spice of life. I'm Will Wright, your host, and joining me today is John Kramer. John, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Welcome. It's wonderful to have you. So you run Praying at the Bricks. It's a Substack. So for everyone listening, it's Praying Bricks, P-R-A-Y-I-N-G-B-R-I-C-K-S dot Substack dot com. And, uh, I think we actually connected first on Twitter, I think a while ago, back yeah. when I was actually on Twitter. Uh, so it's wonderful to finally have you on the program. And um, I guess we'll just get started. What is Praying at the Bricks? What is the Lego Church Project? Who are you? Well, my name is John Kramer, obviously, and I'm based in Saginaw, Michigan, which is about two hours north of Detroit. And my story is is every year, starting around late January, February, I build a giant church of my own design using Lego. And by giant, I mean it would take up a kitchen table easily enough. <laughs> We're talking like 47 by 25 by 25, give or take. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's full interior with people, uh, lights, details, everything that you can think of that is inside church. But, but the story that goes into it, though, is I've got a malformance cerebral palsy. I use my work, both with Praying at the Bricks and at the Lego Church Project Facebook page, to show no matter what challenge or disability you face, God can still use your talents. As someone who has a disability, who lives with it, this is something that I live. This is something that means a lot to me in more ways than one. Excellent. So you tear down the church every year and build a new one. How long have you been doing this? I am at the end of my 24th year, <laughs> uh, heading into my 25th season of this. So 24 years so far, 24 different churches I have built. Phenomenal. And so you bring those to, do you bring those to parishes or for the Just most put them part, online. Yes. Yeah. Well, I show obviously I do. I've got the online component, but uh, I also do uh, actual displays where I will bring the project out to different locations. Uh, I would say about ninety nine percent of that time is parishes within within the immediate diocese of which I'm in Saginaw. Mm -hmm. uh, I have the ability if people can provide the transportation to visit other locations, uh, and that's part of the challenge of it since I don't drive. Hmm. So I'm kind of limited as to where I can go unless there are people out there who would like to have me come out. <laughs> and it's the project itself weighs about 80 pounds and it's on a plywood wow. station. So I'm able to move it with, with a couple people in relative ease for the most part. Hmm. And in, in case in point, this past season I did, uh, I visited all saints parish up in Bay city uh, at their two sites. A lot of fun got to uh, talk to a lot of people. I've been out that to that parish a few times over the course of the last couple of seasons. And it's one place I always look forward to going to. Uh, they've got such a wonderful community there. I also had a chance to visit uh, Assumption Parish over in Midland, Michigan, which is not too far from me. Actually, I met the contact person for that one on Twitter. <laughs> uh, 
It's not <laughs> always there. a terrible place. There, there are no, good can, things that come there, of it. There are a few bright moments here and there, and <laughs> if you're willing, if you can try to wade through all the sludge that's on the ground. Uh, but no, anyway, uh, was out there last year. Uh, possibly looking forward to going out there next year. Uh, every place that I can go to uh, hmm. is always a unique opportunity to share the talents, so people can actually see what I'm doing uh, in person. And of course, this one. The end of my season, I always usually I usually display at my home parish in Saginaw, Christ the Good Shepherd, uh, which is going to be doing that display starting Advent. Uh, we'll probably be bringing it out there later this week, hopefully, <laughs> if everything goes somewhat according to plan. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So when you bring a when you bring the project to various parishes, are you are you there with people just talking to folks and or do you have a presentation that you give like what's well, the norm it kind of depends on parish to parish i'm always there hmm. or at least for the most part to point out stuff within the project make sure everything's going smoothly with the transportation display of it mm -hmm. i will sometimes give a presentation either at before the uh start of mass or at the end of mass i it kind of depends on the location that i'm at uh depends on what to, to keep things running uh, usually I'll go through my usual talk about disabilities and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes I can do other presentations with the kids where I'll allow the kids to ask me questions about, about the project. They'll take a look at it, see what's going on. And then sometimes I'll come up with some of the most interesting questions you can imagine, even <laughs> more creative than some of the adults that see it. Yeah, I can imagine kids are, uh, I have a two-year-old and a six-year-old, and especially the six-year-old, he comes out with these questions, and like, man, you're thinking on another level. I, I, my brain doesn't even go there, but kids have that ability. Kids are very, you know, it's kind of funny because when you take a look at my work, you have to figure this thing has got like almost close to three hundred figures sitting inside it, hmm. And the reaction from the kids and the adults are very unique. The kids see it because it's big, it's colorful, it's Lego. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are going to be looking for R2-D2 that's hiding somewhere. They're <laughs> the ones that are probably going to see the Green Army figure sitting there, maybe Optimus Prime. They're going to see all the oddball stuff that's done on purpose. Mm -hmm. That's to give the kids something to gravitate to and to take a look at something else going on. But then you've got the adults, especially the older adults, the seniors. They look inside, and I think one of the most common comments I get is, oh, that's where I'm sitting. Oh, that's where I'm at. <laughs> they see themselves inside. Interesting, yeah. Uh, and I had that happen, especially at the Assumption display, because I was also part of a holiday bazaar that was going on. So I had a lot of foot traffic. And that was like one of the common comments. I think I heard that one about four or five times throughout the throughout the day. And it's those moments that really kind of touch you with what with what you're doing. Uh, over the years, I've had a lot of interesting experiences when it comes to people looking at my work. Hmm. People who may be having a bad day get a bit of a smile on their face when they're done looking at it. And it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, because of the overall scale of it, you know, people mm -hmm. don't fully realize how big this thing is. They don't fully realize how, 
there being I'm doing things with Legos that I never, not even I thought was possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not even a trained architect, and I get people saying, "Oh, you should have been an architect." Well, math was my weakest subject, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, here I am earlier today. I'm looking at stuff. I'm taking measurements and counts to try and figure out if something's going to look right if I carry out my idea as in my head. But so with the, uh, I know you started at the top of the show, you said that you started this to show that it doesn't matter what your current situation is, what your personal uh, physical limitations, whatever they might be. You have something to do. You have something to offer, something to be productive. If we want to use that word, uh, there's always a place. And I know that that's something that's so important. I think a lot of people, especially in our world today, seem to be very focused on usefulness and it's very unhealthy. Uh, it treats people as, um, well, things, things to be used rather than persons to be loved or appreciated. Um, so I, I know that this is something that's near and dear to your heart. So, I mean, what kind of responses do you get from folks when you present the project or when you're just having conversations? I mean, do you feel that people are, are open to maybe I, I, I put it this way. I know this is kind of rambling, but like you said, with the kids seeing the different figures that are sort of different. I mean, is that intentional to draw maybe adults into seeing things that maybe they'd pass by otherwise? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And yeah, it's a pretty fair statement, actually. One of the other things that I do have inside the project, and keep in mind, I'm not targeting, well, I'm not targeting me, not, that's not the right word. My focus with my work is for everybody, both hmm. young and old. I'm not limiting it this to kids because I think kids see things in one light, adults see something else in a different light. Mm -hmm. But there's still common ground between the age groups that is that, that kind of universal idea. Uh, with the adults, I'm reminding them of the importance of what goes on in our parish lives. Mm -hmm. With the kids, I'm trying to give them encouragement to treat those fairly. I have people with representation of disabilities inside. I have people in power chairs, both young and old. I have people in wheelchairs, both young and old. I have service dogs inside. In addition to all the other interesting things I mentioned earlier, I have this stuff inside here to kind of highlight the fact that our churches, our parishes, should be welcoming places. We should not be turning anyone away. Um, it starts with that mindset that if we are willing to be open to those around us, then there should be no limitation as to what we can do. Uh, I've, I'm a firm believer in parish communities. I've seen examples of how that can be helpful. There have been times in our own life when, when the parish or church kind of stepped up to the plate a little bit. Uh, not only with some, not only with what's going on in the world, but with their prayers. Hmm. It's truly amazing what can happen when we devote our lives to prayer and just opening our hearts to what God can do. And my work does that to a degree. It allows both kids and adults to see the value of life. Well, every human life. Yeah. I love that young to old everyone. Well, and it, it's interesting. I, people, especially on social media, um, 
mostly non-Catholics, but they'll say, well, you know, I wish they would actually do something instead of just pray. Um, but you're saying that prayer is effective. And of course I agree. Um, but speak more to that. I mean, how, um, how have you seen prayer maybe answered? I mean, can you think of an example where it's just so clear to you? Oftentimes when I, when I see prayers answered, it is not with a trumpet blast. Mm -hmm. Rather, it <laughs> is something so subtle that unless you're actively looking for it, you are going to miss. Mm. The, the phrase, the Lord works in mysterious ways, that is a very true statement. Uh, there have been times all chaos is breaking loose, and we're not sure which direction to travel in. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, another path opens up that didn't exist a moment ago. Mm. I've seen that happen time and time again. I've seen that in different health situations that people I know have been in where things didn't look to be too grand. And yet you've got several hundred people praying for that intention and things turn around. It may not be the fastest turnaround. <laughs> it may almost be so subtle that you can't even realize it until later on down the road, but it's there. Uh, in my own life, I've experienced answered prayers in many ways, often in directions that I wasn't even expecting. Uh, I don't have necessarily have anything really overly specific, but then again, mm -hmm. I went from having zero displays lined up this year to having two places I really wanted to come out to, and then combined with my final display coming up. Uh, so, as I said, prayer can work. A lot of people think that prayer is empty, uh, mm. especially from non-religious. They don't see the value in it because they uh, they can only see, they're only willing to look at what they can see, what is tangible to them. They don't necessarily seek out the spiritual. Whereas for me, I tend to be a very spiritual person. Uh, I do have a unique background in that, and... I will just simply say that I've seen things change direction uh, through the power of prayer, uh, dark moments that have been reversed. Hmm. Uh, and whether it's through a structured prayer like the Rosary or Divine Mercy Chaplet, or through just the simple Jesus help me, <laughs> I've seen I've seen things work on multiple different levels and in multiple ways. So for me. Prayer is an important part of who I am. And a lot of that goes into what I do with the project. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, prayer is prayer is food for the soul. I mean, it's without it, we would starve spiritually. And I think when people are able to articulate that to those around them, like you say, people have to actually see it first in their own lives. They have to recognize it, understand it, and say, okay, wow, I actually, I did pray about that, and here it is. Maybe it's sometime later. I always say it's like uh, seeing God in the rearview mirror, uh, right? You, you keep going and then, oh, there he was. But when we can share that with other people, there is a, a very powerful reality there. And it is universal. It's something that every single person needs. Because um, when, we, when we speak about disabilities, whatever they might be, they are physical. They're material. 
right? Our, our souls, uh, are all, they, they have the same capabilities. And so it's, it's interesting. I know as when I was working at a parish, I went to a seminar in our diocese on how to serve those, um, with special needs better in terms of catechesis, especially those who, uh, maybe have, have trouble grasping new concepts or who struggle with powers of abstraction, something like this. And for a, a lot of people there, at least from my perception, my observations, they are so stuck in this mindset. Well, they have to understand all of these things before they receive the sacraments. And I'm thinking to myself, nothing. What? No, <laughs> that's silly. Like I, I think about uh, someone with um, Down syndrome, for example. One of the most loving, my cousin has Down syndrome, one of the most loving and wide open, beautiful people in the world. I, you can't meet anyone more saintly. And I, I mean that where there's truly a, a sort of inability to grievously sin. That's my theological opinion anyway. So, yeah. I mean, we're looking at saints, literal saints. Um, but I guess it it just goes to show at least my observations at that seminar that people are stuck in this mindset of, unless they reach this bar, there's some sort of barrier, but like yeah. you're saying, no, our churches need to be places of, of welcoming and, and really bringing people in. So, I mean, what, what sort of, well, first of all, what sort of responses do you have to that? And then how could we as a church do better? I know that's a huge question, but I'll let yeah, you take it whichever that, way you want. Jim. Well, I always come, uh, my approach to a lot of things deals with attitude. Some people think that being open and inclusive means radically redesigning the church to make accommodations. Hmm. Uh, our church, Christ the Good Shepherd, uh, years ago modified one of the bathrooms to make it more wheelchair accessible. <laughs> a very simple change in the long run. Over uh, over the last couple of years, they've also added power assist doors. Simple things. Uh, the most recent change was that they took out steps in the back entryway on either side and took out the steps and put ramp, put a ramp in, a mm -hmm. cement ramp in. Uh, a lot of things, if you go in with the mindset that we want to be welcoming, that can go a long way to opening the doors to changes, even if they have to be changes over time, mm. even if they don't have, they don't have to be dramatic, but to make things a little bit easier access. I have mobility issues. There are times when my walking is not the most stable and I am thankful for the fact that our church has taken some of that into consideration. There's one member of our uh, parish, uh, of our sister parish, uh, John Paul II, who sometimes comes to our morning mass, and he's in a wheelchair. Hmm. Uh, and it's easier for him. Uh, we have Sometimes we have a, a lady that brings her daughter who's in a power chair. And it's kind of funny because some people are kind of hesitant on that. They are not sure quite how to interact with someone who has a disability. Uh, if anyone's ever had any questions there, feel free to ask me. <laughs> I'm more than happy to give them more than what they bargained for. Uh, but, it, and part of that is if I can use my own life as an example, uh, as to 
what someone can do. I, I'm always hopeful that I can encourage someone down the road. And the best parishes that I've been to are the ones that are more community minded. They hmm. take those into consideration. I'm trying to think for a second. <laughs> it's just it's just kind of strange how the world looks at those with disabilities, hmm. uh, especially the more invisible ones. And we just have to take that mindset that we're going to treat people fairly and not pass our own extreme judgment on them. If we start with that, then all things are possible. No, that's a very good uh, foundation. I mean, we uh, we should approach people with the dignity and worth that they have, um, irrespective of any particular circumstances or, or issues. You, you mentioned um, some of the invisible disabilities. What are some examples of those just for those listening? Well, challenge and disability are kind of interchangeable in, hmm. in how I talk a little bit. And some people may see their own unique challenges they face uh, in one light versus another. Uh, you've got people who have some cognitive issues, uh, how they handle and process emotions. Mm -hmm. Some would argue that autism uh, is a disability, but if you talk to someone with autism, you're going to get a completely different response. <laughs> yeah. And I mean no disrespect to anyone in that respect. No, that's, that is true. Uh and so, but in my, in my particular case, if you were to look at me, aside from being a little bit hyperactive, maybe you wouldn't realize that I have a disability. In fact, when I'm doing displays at uh, kind of neutral locations and I start talking about it, that's one of the first comments people make. You don't look like you have a disability. Hmm. It's because I've learned how to adapt to try and function in this world. That is for the able. Uh, I have balance issues. I have some minor vision issues that limit my ability to drive, especially at night. Um, I have uh, hand-eye coordination problems, so I'm not good in certain types of video games. <laughs> uh, and I also have problems with learning. Uh, you give me a new piece of music to try and learn, and it takes me a bit longer than someone else. Because my brain does not process the information in the same way everyone else does. Those are the invisible things. Mm -hmm. Stuff that is a quirk and a challenge for us that unless you know the unless you know the person, you're not gonna notice that it's there. Got it. Well, and a lot of that comes out, I suppose, in uh in community, right? And actually getting to know someone and developing a friendship, developing a relationship. And so it is really important that, uh, I mean, the, some of the things that you mentioned just in terms of accessibility, putting in a ramp, putting in a, a power door, um, things like that are, like you say, they're very simple, but they require seeing people. They require actually um, understanding that there's an issue and then doing something about it out of love. Uh, so, and I imagine that's that's how we should approach things in our own personal lives with people as well uh, so i mean how would how uh how do you recommend that people um you said that oh, let me rephrase the question you said that there's some people who don't know how to interact with those with disabilities don't know how to approach them i mean it it seems to me that 
we're talking about people that are as different as anybody else. Like everyone's got their own way of approaching the world, their own emotional responses, their own thoughts and opinions and desires and dreams. And I mean, I imagine, um, I, I guess what I'm getting at is it's, it's kind of hard to paint with a broad brush and just say, well, those with disabilities, as if that's a category that actually means something to individuals. Well, it doesn't. I mean, you've got a lot of people. It's kind of kind of funny how how our world can be at times. And it's just a challenge. If if let's say someone's in a wheelchair, I mean, you just approach them, you treat them like a human. You, <laughs> you treat is. them, and yep. that's part of the problem that we run into. Uh, I've had people criticize me because of how giant I am. But I've also learned how to not take things so personally. Hmm. And when you're talking with, when you're dealing with people, when you're dealing with society, especially when there's a lot of prejudice when it comes to, especially with the invisible disabilities, a lot of people assume that you're being lazy. A lot of people assume that you just don't want to do anything. Hmm. No, I have tried numerous times and I have failed horribly. That's why I'm in my predicament. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I do not work because I have tried and usually it does not end very well. <laughs> I, I can tell you the number of times where I've been fired because I could not keep up with what they were demanding of me. Hmm. And that that's kind of soul crushing when you think about it. And kind of, for me at least, I'm not worried what people think about me, per se, because I've learned to kind of roll with the punches, so to speak. Hmm. And I have always come to this mind where I try and take people where they're at. We don't know each person's struggles. And I think that that's something that people should take into consideration when they're interacting with others. There's no way we can know what's going on in someone's life, even if we're sitting right next to them. There may be a thousand and one battles going on inside their heart mm -hmm. that we would have no idea how to understand. I know I do. I know you probably do. There are things that the only thing that we can do is understand that our challenges affect us. Maybe in different ways, and people have different ways of dealing with that. I know I do. <laughs> I mean, and I've been at this with the project for almost 25 years. I, I've seen how people react to to the disability stuff. I believe that, that there's more that the church can be doing. I've seen a lot of good initiatives, uh, especially when it comes to Catholic school and disabilities. Hmm. There, there are new movements that are starting to come up and hopefully have the opportunity to produce some good fruit. Uh, I think that that catech catechism for for those with uh, challenges should be a little bit more accessible. But there's slow headways, slow things that probably didn't even exist when I was growing up in the church. Uh, and with the realm of invisible disabilities, there's a lot more understanding that we had 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. I've certainly seen some of that. Uh, the best way you can educate someone is to show them how you live. To 
point out when you're having an issue, a challenge. I've done that before when I'm in the choir. If something's not clicking with me, I try and uh, talk to the director just to let him know what's going on or let him know if my brain's not working right for whatever reason. <laughs> but he's slowly learned. He has slowly taken the time to learn and realize that, yeah, there are things that I'm good at, things that I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's absolutely true for everyone. I mean, as you say, it's not about disabled, abled, whatever. It's every single person has battles and challenges that they're dealing with internally. That's not to discount the outward and material and physical disabilities that and challenges that people deal with, <clears throat> but it is to a good reminder to all of us that a good wise way of approaching the world is to sort of develop that resilience, that thick skin, allowing things to kind of roll off your back and then also give people the grace to, be the imperfect broken individuals that they are along with you and then you know get to know them speak to them um in terms of of sort of developing that resilience i mean i know that you said that's something that you've had to work at um uh, to sort of not let things bother you as much and i'm sure there's times when it still gets under your skin but like what a what did you do to sort of develop that was it just trial and error or was there like a a set way of going about it, or was it just time? Combination of a couple things. Time, obviously. The first thing for me was to try and get a better understanding of what my limitations are. Hmm. I had to be comfortable with myself in my own skin uh, before I can do anything to help others. Hmm. I had to learn about who I am what my challenges are to a degree, how do they affect me, and how do I interact with the world? Through a lot of prayer, a lot of patience, which I'm not known for, <laughs> but still. Um, and everything kind of circles back with me, back to the prayer, because that's what I believe in. Uh, you also have the lives of the saints. Many of them had their own share of challenges. Hmm. Uh, and I've touched upon this in a couple different blog posts over the years. I think the one more recent one I did was uh, if God exists, <clears throat> because someone actually told me that, well, if God exists, you wouldn't have cerebral palsy. And my argument on that is I can either say, oh, yeah, God doesn't exist because I was born this way. Or I can say, I'm thankful to God for all that he has done for me, despite the challenges that I face. Not always easy. There are mm -hmm. times when I struggle, just like everyone else, but uh, I do the best I can with what I have. Well, it's it's a I imagine it's definitely a mindset that all of us would do well to work on. Um, the fact that all the limitations that we have, I mean, I I know some people who are are very um, let's say physically fit, athletic, brilliant, witty. Like it seems like they've got the full package. Everything's going. And yet you, you get to know them, you talk to them, and they have some of the deepest insecurities. And you think, well, uh, why? <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, what's, what's going on there? But then when we think about eternity, I mean, we think about the reality that God does exist, that, that heaven is forever, um, and that there won't be any sort of, at least any physical limitations, uh, because all of these things that are not uh, 
sort of at least taking the Thomistic view that there, there's something missing, something's not quite in integrity and in wholeness. Well, that's that's passing, right? And if we had developed this this sort of idea that I think it was Saint Teresa of Avila said that um, all of the suffering on Earth, when put together, amounts to one night in an inconvenient hotel um, in comparison to the joy of heaven. And I often, when I bring that up in a catechetical presentation, I always say to folks, if you can get that mindset, you're a saint. Congratulations. Because I don't have that mindset yet. I'm working on it. I'm trying. But... We're all working on it. Or we, should all, we should all be trying to work on that to some degree. Um, and, yeah, I mean, and we go back to the, the fact that, yeah, there are days when I'm struggling, days when you're struggling. But it's how we choose to deal with the challenges. Hmm. I, I could be spending my days going, what was me? Or I could just be thankful and just moving forward. And you have to figure, talk about insecurities. So when I'm working on the project, I am testing not only the limits of my parts that I'm working with, I'm also testing the limits of my own ability and my level of my anxiety. Hmm. Do I have enough parts to finish? Do I have, are the, are the base plates going to remain relatively flat or are they going to try and wave up at the worst time? Can I get this wall <laughs> locked into place? There's a thousand and one thoughts going through my head. And I've used that phrase way too many times, thousand and one foot. <laughs> but anyway, it, it's just kind of, the project allows me to explore my own challenges. And it allows me to pour into the prayers of the faithful. As I'm building, I am praying. I am taking everything that's going on in my world, the good, the bad, the indifferent, and I'm laying them on the bricks. That's where the idea of praying at the bricks came from. Hmm. Because I'm literally, that's what I'm doing. Uh, when I'm doing my morning prayers, I'll sometimes turn on my project if it's in the uh, living room. Because I'm praying right next to him, praying at the bricks. And for me, in that respect, the prayers become tangible. Hmm. Because I'm literally, every figure I set down. In fact, one of the more fascinating parts of my project is when people come up, they take a look inside and they say, oh, wow, there's a lot of people in there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a prayer. That's a prayer that we would make the mass a priority. What a when you started, was it simply a matter of, you know, I like Legos. I think I'm going to do Legos. I mean, what, what got into that? My friends who were bringing building spaceships as a kid, and I was not good at it at all. And. At the time I started building the churches, which were very small comparison, we were living in the original parish rectory for what became known as Christ the Good Shepherd, which was literally like across the street from the church. Hmm. So I was an altar server. My dad was a lector. Church was the cornerstone of our family. Every Sunday or Saturday, depending on what was going on, that's where we're at. When we traveled to see the relatives, uh, especially like for Christmas and other holidays, 
we went to Mass. When the family had the cottage uh, up near Port Sanilac, we went to Mass. The church was the foundation of who we were, and that has stuck with me. That's probably one of the reasons why I fight so hard to be able to go uh, mm. through trying to get rides and stuff. Uh, one of the other issues I tend to talk about is the fact that we don't always have adequate transportation needs. Uh, you, you hear that in some of the other uh, stories, like through Matt Swain, uh, through his Coming Home Network. It's a topic that's come up. People want to join the church, but how do they get there? Hmm. They don't have a ride. Uh, something that we can work on, either through the Knights of Columbus or through other organizations to try and make things a little bit easier. But it's an uphill battle because we also live in an age where lawsuits are way too common. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't take much for someone to file a lawsuit and any perceived injury, liability, and stuff like that. So it's an uphill climb. Always has been. But as I've been trying to dive into this issue a lot more the last couple of years, it becomes more apparent uh, and more difficult. No one wants to take the risk, which is puts people like me at a disadvantage because then you get told, oh, you can watch uh, mass on television, it'll be fine. For someone who's got sensory issues and attention issues, it's kind of like the reason why I like to watch sporting events in person. You just have mm -hmm. to be there. Well, and especially for the mass, I mean, we need to be, if we can be, we need to be in person with everyone else there, really entering into the action right in front of us. Uh, rather than just spectators, because we're not just spectators at mass, for sure. I mean, we're we're praying with our whole soul and body, everything that we have, as much as we can. Um, it seems like there's probably there there has to be a way forward. So, um, if anyone listening is a logistical genius and knows how to make this happen, like uh, let us know. We'll start thinking about it, talking about it, because. I uh, I know when when I worked at a parish, um, the Knights of Columbus were fairly instrumental in making sure that folks who wanted to get to mass could, and uh, they took uh, those guys took the responsibility on themselves, the liability on themselves. But it seems like there has to be something that we could do, whether it's through the Knights as a corporate institution or through parishes or dioceses, um, to make this a reality. Because I can't oh, imagine it's a small number of people. Well, in my parish, I know of at least two people that have to find alternative rides to Mass, myself being one of them. If I did not have the assistance of my friends in the choir, especially our music director, hmm. I'm relatively close to the church. And, and when, unless he's camping, then i got to try and find other alternatives. I am blessed to a degree. But I also know that some are not as fortunate. Hmm. So I can, if I can use my platform to bring light to some of these issues, then I'm doing something good. If I can bring light to some of the challenges with those with disabilities or give, a, give someone a better idea of what it means to live with a disability or a challenge, then I know I'm doing the Lord's work. Uh when I'm able to go out to a parish, I can bring up attend, bring up conversations. I've had many conversations with different things, and it plants seeds. 
and eventually that will hopefully produce good fruit. Hmm. If you're going to be in the Saginaw, Michigan region, starting uh, Advent, the Lego Church Project Season 24 is going to be at Christ the Good Shepherd Catholic Church. Uh, this is my 20th year of bringing my work out to the parish for Christmas time. <laughs> uh, during Advent, at least, I'll be around uh, during the uh, 1030 Mass. Uh, if you're going to come out for the 530, let me know, and I'll try and make it out. <laughs> so this is this is always such a big thing for our church, uh, and it is a wonderful chance not only to see the project, which is good, but the other reason why I do it is to bring visitors to my home parish to see what a wonderful and welcoming community we are. I talk about community. Our parish is an example of that. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, where can people find you in your work? You can, you can find me on Substack, Praying at the Bricks. You can find me on Twitter under Lego Church Project and Facebook under the same name. Uh, on the Substack, you'll also get links to blogger calls I write. I talk about faith, disability all the time, and other bits of reflections uh, on my life in the face. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, John. It's been an inspiring and good conversation. I hope that the folks listening, uh, you know, I, I hope that we all open our eyes a bit more just to see people, uh, not as limitations or challenges, but just as individuals uh, deserving of love simply because they are. Um, and so thank you for your time, John, and thanks for all that you do. I hope that no it, God continues to bless it. Thank you. Excellent. And for those listening, uh, you're listening to Good Distinctions. You can find more at gooddistinctions.com. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber to continue the work that uh, we're doing, all sorts of different conversations and guests. And I'd like to be able to uh, continue that and expand that. Please make sure you go to prayingbricks.substack.com. Check out what John's doing. Look at the Lego Church Project. It really is awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, send him a message, get a conversation going with him. I'm sure he'd love that as well. But uh, again, thank you. This has been Good Distinctions. Good Distinctions are the spice of life. <laughs>